Welcome to another episode of I Love Rock and Roll. I'm Ken Krantz. My co-host is Chip Chantry. My name is Chip Chantry. And you uh, think after four episodes, we'd figure out the rhythm of introducing ourselves, Ken. You would. Like you think you were. And, and by the way, you were doing a great job. I just want to say that. And I just <laughs> threw a monkey wrench into the entire situation by just saying my name. I couldn't even do that right. <laughs> you fucked it all up. My God, we were on a good roll. Jeez, and we really were. We, we really we were. have a we have and a guest with us. Back. We do. Uh, we we have a very special guest this week. Uh, we have uh, the very funny stand up comedian and writer. Uh, she's uh, uh, tours nationally pre COVID and post COVID. Once you know the COVID is post, uh, she's got an amazing album, Discomfortable, that you can get wherever you get comedy albums. And uh, she's a good friend of mine, and she lives. Five blocks for me, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the one and only Mary Rudzinski is hey, here. Hey, hey, Chip. Hey, Ken. Thanks for having uh, me. Um, nice. The way this has gotten off to a start, I mean, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. <laughs> I mean, it'll be great. Um, we're we're a couple of pros, Mayor. You did much yeah. better with Mary's introduction than your own. <laughs> I did. Yeah. I really did. Yeah, I'm learning. Oh, and we have we have uh, Kahuna behind the board. I I have to say that because the last episode when I introduced him, um, when we edited it, I edited out the part where we introduced him by mistake. Oh, I see how it is. <laughs> so okay, you do just, it one you more. Just, you, do it one more time, just so we have it, Ken. You just, if you can introduce him, it's <laughs> Kahuna behind the just Kahuna's in case. here, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I uh, I messed it up. <laughs> I said it. Damn it. Uh, well, it's always good to be here. All right, you want to you want to jump into this? I so we're we're changing the format up a little bit this week, and I think it, I'm I'm excited for how we're doing this. I think this, I think this could be funny. So this is our fourth episode. Um, yes. we've we've done two with guests, and we've been booking guests that know a lot about the bands. We had uh, Max for the Beach Boys. We had Rich Voss for the New York Dolls, and um, but this week Mary doesn't really know much uh, about the band that we're looking at. No, no, I don't. In fact, when Chip asked me to do this, or he was like, "Hey, you want to have a chat about the band The Runaways?" and I was like, "I would rather be curb stomped because <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about, and I on it like I can't imagine a fresher hell of me trying to keep up with you two about this." <laughs> Mary, I'm in the same boat as you. <laughs> I don't know anything about these guys. Oh, thank God. Well, ladies. You and I, because I, uh, I mean, I looked at Wikipedia last night, but I'd had a couple wines. That's where we are. I, yeah. I think I like it better without you knowing anything. Okay. I, I, I mean, thought you were just going to stop by saying, oh, yeah, I, I like this better without you. <laughs> oh, God. I think I like this better without you. And we just cut to me and Ken. It's uh, well, and it's one thing too, where, where Ken and I are huge music fans, we're, we're rock fans. We, we also like to study when it's something we're interested in. So we watch rock documentaries, we read up on it, but we, we're also not, we don't claim to be experts and, you know, we'll get, we'll fudge some, not intentionally, but we'll, we'll get some information wrong every once in a while. So don't think that we are at runaways historians, like in our little ivory runaway tower. Well, I think compared to me, you're, you're runaway nerds. And that's enough <laughs> Absolutely. to make me, you know, I'm on my back foot here. I'm sweating right now. It'll be fine. Mm -hmm. We'll get through it. Yeah. Do you know what rock and roll is, Mary? <laughs> um, Do we have to walk you through that? 
that's not a cereal with weird shit in it or anything, is it? I don't know. Yes, it is. No, I, yes, I do. Is. Rock and roll. It's it's stop it, Chip. You're already starting. You know, I don't know how to use my words. <laughs> I uh, Mary, let, let me uh, ask you this. Uh, if you if you could just give us just a frame of reference, a couple of your favorite bands, artists, uh, musicians, just just to, just to round you out as a as a music fan. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really No, I am a feeler chip. My feelings dictate my choice in music. Um, yeah. I, I like I, I'm not one who's very much into one genre. I like what I like. I mean, ranging from, you know, old Radiohead to Amy Mann to Carly Simon to Mary J. Blige to, you know, the Commodores to I'm just sort of all over the place. But I'm that's good. Yeah. Well-rounded. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. It's probably the only area of my life. Yeah. Okay. Well, th- well that's good. Uh, just to give you an update on Ken, uh, Ken's favorite number one band and the only thing he listens to is the uh, hair metal band Rat. So he only <laughs> listens to Rat. <laughs> I will and only watch, he, I only watch videos if they have Milton Burl in them. I know. Because <laughs> because that was, wasn't one of the members of rat i think milton burrow's grandson yeah, was, or something it was like, like his nephew or something and then they were they were yeah. doing that round and round video and i think they were like we need we need a big celebrity uh 30 years past their prime to make this I video mean, really and that guy was like well do i have some good news for you yeah <laughs> my <laughs> uncle is uncle milty literally we call him uncle milty <laughs> so um well, yeah, let's let's jump in, Ken, with our so we've done Mary to keep you up to speed. We've we've talked about Bobby Keys, an amazing rock saxophone player who's pl- who played with literally every band ever. Amazing story. We started out with him uh, for the listeners. Go listen to those episodes if you haven't. That was a, that was a great story about Bobby Keys. Then we went to uh, the Beach Boys, specifically a little bit more with Dennis Wilson and the Charles Manson situation with the beach boys. Uh, and then uh, last week we talked about the New York dolls and uh, I like, how take you it away. Just, Ken. Like, well, you just slipped in there. I mean, the, you said, you know, the beach boys with that Charles Manson thing. And I'm like, I, who's I'm Charles Manson? Right now. I mean, we don't have to, you know, don't get into it. I'll Google <laughs> it later, but so you're not aware of that. Oh, you no, listen I'm to not. the episode and okay. it's a, it's a great story. I don't want to like re right. okay. reinvent the wheel, but the, the, the Manson murders were tangentially caused by the Beach Boys. That is 100 percent true. The Manson murders are were sort of, to a certain extent, <laughs> right, caused by the Beach Boys. So, that's all you I get. Mean, I, that's, that's the I'm, hook I'm going to leave you with. I'm hooked. You got me. <laughs> yeah. okay. Wouldn't it be nice if we didn't kill a bunch of people? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's, let's <laughs> i caught let's, you off guard with that one <laughs> she'll have fun 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 till they kill all my parents okay now just, just go ahead go ahead i was trying to fit um decapitate into kokomo but i couldn't make it <laughs> Don't even try. Don't even do it. <laughs> I couldn't make it happen. Um, all right. So, Mary, do you, so what, let's start with what do you know about the Runaways? Okay. All right, Ken, I appreciate that question. Um, as of about 1130 p.m. last <laughs> night, I learned that they're an all-female group. Uh, Joan Jett, 
big, I'd, I'd heard of Joan Jett. I was familiar with the work of Joan Jett and the, the Black Hearts. Um, do, you, yeah. do, you know, do you know Joan Jett's biggest hit, Mary, by any chance? Is it I Love Rock and Roll? Yes, yes. the name of this podcast. Look at that. We've oh, we've taken the podcast I Love Rock and Roll uh, straight from Miss uh, Joan Jett from her 1982 hit, which topped the charts for I think seven weeks. Yes. How amazing is that? Yeah, that is pretty cool. I mean, yeah, like that's kind of the basis um, of what I know. I know that um, Joan Jett is the name of a large pig in an of a, in an animal sanctuary in upstate New York, and I only know that from Chip's wife Kim. Who's, uh, yes, but other than not a whole lot more, Ken. My wife got very excited because yeah, the, she she follows more animals on Instagram than people, and there is a farm <laughs> sanctuary she goes to, and one of the pigs' name is Joan Jet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's um, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So so let's that. let's jump in. Let's let's talk some runaways, Ken. Yeah. So okay, you want to start or? I'll try to kick it off and then then you jump in. So the runaways, just like Mary very succinctly said, a, a, an all female, uh, an all girl band. I don't want to call it an all woman band because they were girls. They were 15, they were kids, 14, 15, 16 yes. when they started. I mean, which is kind of crazy in Los Angeles. They were formed in the mid seventies where a gentleman, now we have to remember he is a gentleman named Kim Fowley. So when we say Kim Fowley, that is a that is a guy and a creep of a guy. Like yes. literally maybe yeah, the biggest creep I've ever come across in my entire life. I always knew that he was weird and kind of, I mean, I guess you'd have to be kind of creepy to be hanging out with 15-year-old girls. But um, yeah. he would like, the dude was a monster. Yes. I yeah, he's up- this dude... Oh, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I know. No, I'm, 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 I'm probably just supposed to shut the fuck up. No, 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 jo- no, no please jump in. That's why we. No, no. Just saying that when I was sort of reading through there and there, there were some 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 assault charges later by Kim. That's when I looked up who the person was and then uncovered the gender that it was a male. <laughs> yes, so it, it was it, a guy. Yeah, you know, it is kind of important. One of the one of the saddest gender reveals ever. Uh, just <laughs> no, we, we, what a roundabout way to find that out. Yeah, you no know, you're not you're not cutting nothing. into a blue cake for that one. <laughs> yeah. We didn't kill anybody with it. There there have been. Well, I feel like the true. sadder yeah. gender reveals are when the dad explodes <laughs> before oh, ever meeting God, his baby. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's the way to do it. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, so this guy, Kim Fowley, was just a creep. He's if you can picture him and he is now deceased. Luckily, I think in 2015, he's he's no longer with us. But he pictured John Waters meets Phil Spector. Oh, right. God. Yes. Yeah. Meets Frankenstein. He, he's got that creepiness of John Waters. But like John Waters also like by all accounts, a sweetheart of a human being and a great guy. So I don't want to disparage, but he's got that John Waters energy. But like he's bizarro John Waters, like in a in a terrible, terrible way. Right. So he's the guy. He just hangs out at these clubs. One of the and he was in his mid 30s at the time. One of them called the Sugar Shack. And I actually looked up the Sugar Shack, which was this soda bar in North Hollywood in the 70s where teenagers hang out. And the, the line was in this article, you had to literally show your ID to prove that you're under 21 right. to get in unless you were Kim Fowley <laughs> and they. They mentioned another name, a guy in his early uh, mid thirties that was a producer who would just 
he's basically looking for the next team thing. And uh, let's and, just and say Phil Spector, that fucking gargoyle. Exactly. Yeah, like that's, <laughs> that's the vibe. But like without any of the genius. Okay. I, although he did, Kim Fowley did have like, I mean, he did have a series of hits. Like he wrote songs for Chris Christopherson, Kiss, Helen Reddy, Alice right. Cooper, yeah. Leanne Russell, even the Modern Lovers. Who I love the Modern. Are you a yes. Modern Lovers fan? Yes. Ken? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love those guys. Yeah. Yeah, he um, he was like on the periphery of of music. Yes. Like he he was like us in comedy. Like he was just in it enough to be able to say that he was in it, but <laughs> nobody knew who he was for the most right. part. Yeah, he, he apparently said he worked in the in the sex industry in the in the fifties, which whatever that means, I porn i guess whatever that was but yeah just a just a creep but he decided he wanted to put this all girl band together and he met uh he he was introduced to literally she was 13 at the time but she went up to him in a club like somebody introduced them and it was um sandy west which this is a right sandy west but then there was also which i thought this was a very interesting thing and i was trying to figure it out carrie chrome i think her name was yeah. who was the songwriter and right but she wasn't really in the band but she was the songwriter right and she, she signed a deal with kim fally on her 14th birthday so what oh. a creepy 14th birthday present to get to that and then that's when some phone calls were made and he sort of met kim uh kim met uh sandy west sure, I'm, I'm, the drummer sandy, sandy west, west and joan jett and joan jett and so Brought the three of them together in the valley. So Joan Jett, Sandy West, and Carrie Chrome got together and started banging out some tunes and trying to, uh, you know, trying to become a band. Right. Joan Jett. Like, go, go ahead. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Is this like the only, like, you know, today's day and age, you, the boy band, you know, and th there was that one creepy guy who would hang around. I forget his name. Like, oh, Lou. Oh, Lou. Yeah. Yes. I know who you're talking like, about. Like, like, it almost sounds like this Kim dude's kind of like that, but with the gals. But like, are were there other girl bands? Because I mean, literally, these are like little girls. Like you're saying 13, 14. I, I mean, I ran through Wikipedia, Lou. but Jesus Christ, I didn't come across that. <laughs> I didn't know they were that young. Yeah. So they I mean, it was, you know, it was the 70s in California. So um, I think things were a little more lax back then. But yeah. you had these kids that would just come hang out in the valley. And um, there there it doesn't sound like there was a ton of supervision for them. And then apparently Kim, as as the band started to come together, Kim Fowley did a pretty good job at convincing parents that there was going to be tutors on the road and that they, was gonna, they were going to be making all this money, but that schooling was still important and they weren't going to give like he, he sold the parents a bill of goods. Wow. He was a great hype man. Like that's what everybody he convinced, like when Lita Ford joined, like he was like, you're going to be rich and famous. You're this is the best thing. And just he just he just knew how to bullshit his way through life. So he just yeah, he just convinced everybody and then he did some sort of producing and he kind of helped shape their sound and he was also like a taskmaster like the word dog apparently came up all the time like he's like your dog piss your dog shit just screamed and berated all these young girls as a guy in his mid-30s would and uh, <laughs> but like they were also i the one thing i was impressed by was before i really read up on them and studied the runaways i kind of thought they were this manufactured group no. that was the vibe that i kind of got yeah but they were a legit 
rock band. They wrote their own songs. They came together. You know, they did all the, you know, they, they did all the heavy lifting themselves. It wasn't a manufactured, like a boy band. Right. No, it wasn't like a boy band. I assumed it was. Right. Right. No, it was like Kim Fowley had this idea that he wanted to manage an all girl band. And then he just happened to meet, you know, Sandy West and then Joan Jett introduced herself to him. And he was like, when, um, when he met Sandy West, he'd already met Joan Jett and he was like, oh, you two should talk. like he sort of just put everyone together. And right. then uh, Joan Jett and Sandy West started jamming out in a trailer like in the middle mm-hmm. of nowhere. And then they started holding auditions for other band members. And one of the auditions was for for vocals and Sheree uh, Curie. Uh, her real name, by the way, Cherie Curie, and she has a sister, Marie Curie, a twin sister, which we'll, we'll get into later. Uh, they um, they auditioned her and they knew a bunch of Susie Quattro songs. And that was Susie Quattro was a, was like a female rock star in the 70s. That was a big inspiration to them. She, was, she played L- Leather, Leather Tascadero in uh, Happy, on Happy Days. Days. Yeah. Oh. Uh, and was actually a big I mean, she sold 50 million she sold 50 million records worldwide throughout her lifetime. And was like a big rock star in the seventies. So she was sort of a temp, definitely a template for them, but a template for a lot of female rock stars. Like she was one of the really first big, she was Joan Jett before Joan Jett. Joan Jett copied Susie Quattro's style. Yeah. Her look, her, her everything. Was was Susie Quattro, because they kept saying Joan Jett, they parted ways because she wanted to go more glam rock versus right. is that what that Susie Quattro was yes. like a style okay uh, yeah yeah very good mayor see for somebody hey, who yeah I just I just wanted to let you know I was still here you guys no I'm listening <laughs> yeah. it's very it's very interesting and and I just want to say that that whole idea of the boy band because yeah they are manufactured they just picked them like oh you look the part you look the part but when I was looking at the runaways and all the different members, and then you look and see like the, where are they now? Or where did they go on to do? They were like real musicians, like legit, yeah. like the one that I actually had heard of was the um, Mickey Steele. Mickey Steele. Because yeah. of the bangles. Right. And right. So, like that was, they, you know, I, that was. Yeah. That she, was. she was, I think in a very early incarnation before even Cherie. And then she, so she, leaves a band with Joan Jett and goes and forms the Bangles and, and ends up with Susanna. I think it worked out much better for me. And then Steel. did you hear the story about her, how she walked? She walked like a, um, um, Oh no, it's coming. I know what you're going to fucking say, Chip. Don't do it. Like an Egyptian. <laughs> oh, <God damn> it. <laughs> I'm so proud of myself. I actually, I, mean, I was like, wait, where, where, how does she know where this is going? <laughs> Oh, Ken, Ken, you have no idea how nice COVID's been because Chip is five blocks away and I haven't had to see him. Yeah, I love Chip. I'm kidding. But I knew Egyptian was coming. I'm sorry. I ruined it. I'm ornery before 5 p.m. I'm sorry. You know, somebody's damn. having a manic Thursday. You know, damn well, oh. you low key meant it. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> was that Kahuna? I was like, she knows damn well you low key meant that. You were just like, I need to get this off my chest. <laughs> oh. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's like, it's like whatever a version of getting oxygen is, was him saying that joke. Oh, so. That's right. I'm done. For that. that is all. I only got to that point in my preparation. So I'm, 
the rest of it is up to you two. So uh, yeah, please feel free. So I thought this was interesting. So they they form. So they they um, lead a Ford joins the band to be lead guitarist and um, a girl named Jackie Fox becomes the bass player. She switches. She switches from guitar and learns how to play bass in order to join the runaway. And and again, they're all 14, 15. And then um, once they formed and start rehearsing, Kim Fowley, during practice, sort of has the foresight to know that they're going to have a tough time trying to yeah. make it in a male it's not even like a male dominated business it was like rock was 99.9 percent male it, it wasn't mm -hmm. like you know there, there wasn't a lot of uh there wasn't a lot of precedent to to go on so he is the foresight to know that they're gonna have some rough nights with the audience and he starts running through them through what he calls uh heckle drills yeah where while they're in the middle of practicing, he berates them. He throws things at them. He throws dog shit at them. What? Yes. What? <laughs> yeah. That wasn't in the Wikipedia write up. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. He, 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 he throws... claims that he was in the military. Mm -hmm. I think two branches, quote unquote. He was in the military and he, he boot camps. So he wanted to put them through boot camp. Right. That, that's that's who we're that's who we're dealing with. He, what a gem. He said, yeah, his, his his thought process was that uh, you you might be in the you, know, you might be on the road in the middle of Alabama one night and you're not going to know what to do if someone hucks a beer bottle at you. So we have to we have to get you ready. And I he, feel like I'd be a much better stand up comic if I actually went through something <laughs> like was, that, too. But um, have you ever had it? I mean, or 14. Yeah, I mean, we we could become, yeah, we would just become soulless. And uh, we, if I if I was put through heckler training as a young comedian, I would have uh, I would have much better than what I am right now. Yeah, <laughs> hosting I mean, a music podcast with Ken Krantz. <laughs> no offense to you, Ken, or music. <laughs> um, yeah, have you ever had anything thrown at you on stage, Mary? No, other than some uh, some witty comments. No, I have not. I've been fortunate with that. Um, yeah, that's not a skill set that I'm I'm very strong at. I don't know. Apparently, they hecklers. they got very good at it. Like he would just hurl shit at them, literally hurl shit at them, and they would just <laughs> they would just dodge and keep playing. And then once once they were able to get through a whole set while he threw things at them without stopping the music, he knew they were ready. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, before we get any further, uh, the one thing we should mention when Shree Curie, uh, Curie was auditioning for vocal, she was very nervous that she wanted to come in. They were like, prepare a Susie Quattro song. So she was listening to a bunch of Susie Quattro songs and she picked the song Fever. And she's like, so she really remembered the song Fever and she was Fever, Fever, Fever. So she goes in and she's going to sing Fever and she tells them and they're like, we're not doing Fever. Like we're not yeah. playing that song. So pick something else, but she didn't know anything else. So basically Joan Jett and the rest of the band wrote a song for her to sing on the spot, a song wow. called Cherry Bomb, 
which became basically their biggest hit was the song cherry bomb that was written for her to audition with on the spot in the studio in the not even studio in a a trailer in the trailer uh and that's where uh the song cherry bomb came from and also cherry bomb also the name of the girl band in uh ken's favorite movie howard the duck is that uh, played by leah thompson leah thompson her, her, her band is called cherry bomb i promise you i didn't know that yeah is it, is it, is it bad that i did <laughs> thank you Kahuna. somebody backs me up uh, i can't believe you made a howard the duck reference i'm very disappointed as you should be no i i'm disappointed myself buckle oh, up <laughs> strap in I once saw I once saw the host of a comedy show. Someone started throwing bananas at him. <laughs> oh, oh man, are you serious? There's he, nothing. Banana peels are funny. There's nothing funny about bananas. <laughs> but they got weight to them too. He yeah. he came to a comedy show with banana. I mean, clearly he had the the idea in his head. Like I may have to throw bananas at a comedian tonight. Yeah. I. I it's not like I, he he wasn't like give me a like. Can I have a Michelob Ultra, a plate of wings, and yeah. a bunch of bananas, please? <laughs> yeah. That, I don't know. That person should be taken directly to jail forever. I, I'm a bad <laughs> egg of a human being. I don't need throw anything. I was, I was thinking about it, too. Like, you know, he was leaving the house, and his wife was probably like, well, what the <laughs> fuck are those bananas? Like, we're going to a comedy show. What do you? He was like, don't, don't worry. I know what I'm doing. And it was it was also the host that <laughs> was the host he got thrown at. It's a, this show is barely started and he, he couldn't even hold out for that. That's like me bringing out uh, a, a walk like an Egyptian joke in minute seven. You know, like have some patience, like <laughs> at least yeah. let the show develop before you wing yes. it out. Like he could not wait to throw these bananas. No, no. And he, he did it. Twi- he threw a banana. At, at, and, and let me just say this. It was there was. um. It was a white hope like there was it wasn't like a racial undertone like you heard about that incident with with uh, Dave Chappelle. It wasn't anything like it It was just this guy was like, I'm going to I think I'm going to throw bananas, but only at the host because he, right. he threw a banana the first time uh, while while he was up and then he brought me up and then I finished and then he went back up to like do five minutes and bring up the headliner and then he threw yeah. a second banana. <laughs> What? Yeah. Well, you don't want to not use all the bananas you bought <laughs> to a comedy show. You want to at least like, you know, did you address this, Ken, when you got on stage? I I must. Uh, I'm sure I must have made a joke about it. Um, but I can I ask I, you where where it was? Was it at a club or at like a it was, VFW it was like a, no, it was like one. Of the, it was a club that it was like back, you know, like a hotel conference room. You know, they they did right. comedy like once a week or every other you mean week. A, or yeah, like a place where you get your comedy chops and self esteem, where you really dis- yeah. where the sort of venue where you you know that you made a good decision to do this. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, mm-hmm. if people don't know what we're talking about they they'll put a conference room or like the breakfast buffet room of a hotel and on friday or sat and or saturday nights they'll turn it into a quote-unquote comedy club and then they change it back the next morning uh one of my biggest highs was performing at the at a club in uh, allentown pa that was just in a ramada in 
and they turned the room into, it was the breakfast room during the day and it was a comedy club at night. And it was my, one of my first headlining gigs. So I'm headlining and I had, I have to tell you, I had a great set the Friday night show. It was packed and I really killed, like it was just, and I was, it was one of my first headlining sets and I was so proud of myself. Like I was like, this is it. I've kind of made it in a comedy. I can do this. I have the chops <laughs> less than 12 hours later in that same room. I was being screamed at by a German lady who, an old German lady who worked there because I used the waffle iron incorrectly <laughs> in that same room. <laughs> she screamed uh. at me. Well, and I had to leave the same room that I that I just crushed in the night before. You know, what's worse than that is when you're staying overnight and you bomb and then it's like you have to go have breakfast with all the people uh, that watched you bomb. <laughs> it's, it's I, so... I, I know we're not. I just very quickly the last time uh, one of the shows that I was at a casino and it was for a couple days in a row. I bombed so bad that like actually the sound of crickets would have been welcomed. It was so bad <laughs> that I went up to my room and put on glasses and changed my clothes so I could go down and play the machines because I didn't want anyone to recognize me <laughs> oh from God. the show. <laughs> but, you know, still doing it. I brought up the um, I brought up the banana thing to just to point out uh, how nothing will get you thrown out of a comedy show. <laughs> yeah. Like this guy had the Please. chant. He he was like, well, I guess I can throw a second one. It, the second one's not his fault. You know, <laughs> no, throw not. one banana shame yes, on you. It's exactly yeah, yeah, like the yeah. old saying. Yeah. yeah. Banana me once. <laughs> Shame on me. Banana me twice. At least throw peels. So, all right, we we got off. Um so the the runaways now form and uh Kim Fowley convinces all these parents that that their kids are going to be famous rock stars and they're going to make all this money and he does to his credit he does book them a tour almost immediately like it almost felt like they were touring and recording before they even really had mastered anything yeah um in, in fact uh Cherie Curie tells the story in that in that in this documentary edge play uh film about the runaways she told a story of she didn't understand why they needed a bass player like that's yeah. how that's how naive she was. She was like, "Oh, my my voice sounds great. We don't need it. We don't need to add anything to." Like she didn't understand that you needed the bass to. By, by the way, Ken, I just learned why there's a bass player in bands. Yeah, like you just. I'm not even kidding. I was like, "Oh, that makes." I thought they just a little harmony, but they, I'm I'm a naive young girl who never played anything. Right. Well, but now imagine like being like that, but then also being in a band. <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds sounds very terrifying to me right now. But they they did it. Yeah, they they went on the road for three. They booked them a three month tour. So just took these. Can you imagine being a parent of one of these fifteen year old girls and this guy who's like thirty five is like, "Yep, taking them all across America for three months." You won't see them for three months. They'll be fine. And right. they, they let him do it. They let him do it. He hires them a road manager because I don't, I don't understand why I, I was confused why Kim wouldn't go on the road with it. Like if he, he wanted to, he wanted control of that band so bad. 
uh, yeah. to the point where he was like using divide and conquer tactics. He was turning them against each other so he could he could maintain control. I think he realized if they were all united, they can come to the realization they didn't need him. And, oh, exactly. Right. So he kept them. He kept them uh, turned on each other at, at all times. And um, so I don't understand why he didn't go out on the road with them, but he hires a road manager who um, – so the parents are now under the impression that there's going to be uh, tutoring and that um, these girls are all going to be looked after. And the road manager uh, ends up sleeping with all of them. Except for the bait, except for Jackie Fox. She's the only yeah. one that he doesn't get and does things like spend um, their food money on drugs. Like he, he would take the money meant to feed them and spend it on drugs for himself. They, they said they would just get, they would just eat two meals at McDonald's every single day. Like that was that was it. That was just their basically their whole just quarter pounders every day. That's all, that's all they had. They would double up or even triple up in hotel rooms. You know, there were just there was no money. Like they were they were given nothing basically. I, I and it would be. Oh no! I'm just saying that couldn't have helped Jackie Fox's self esteem. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Chip. Uh, no, but it's it's just and. You know, I never actually did get to the bottom of like how much money Kim Fowley made and the powers that be in the record company versus the the girls in the band because they definitely didn't walk away with a lot of money at all. They they walked away with nothing. They it's all of these bands in the seventies got screwed so hard. But I guess when you what you know, like think about it. If you were a if you were a 15 or 16 year old kid and somebody presents your dream to you and they're like, Oh, you know, just, you're, you're not reading the fine print. You're, you're just. No. Well, I mean, in, you know, and I hate to keep bringing it back to comedy, but Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm still not making money. You know, <laughs> I mean, I can't even imagine if you're a teenager and you're like, Oh, I get to, travel hang out do all these things i mean that would probably be the least of your right hang out you know thought if they wanted if they wanted food money or they wanted to go shopping they would ask kim kim would dole out like you know like a hundred dollars a week for each one of them or something and it was enough to keep them in the shit that they wanted and i guess that it doesn't occur to them to think how much money is actually being made off me and how much of that am i saying they're just like think. I mean, yeah. I mean, Mary brings up a great point with comedy. They they got to hang out with all their heroes. You know, they 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 go on tour. They're opening for Van Halen. They're opening for the Talking Heads. And they're the Ramones. Yeah, they they do a European tour and they're hanging out with Led Zeppelin and the Who. And it's who would stop long enough to be like, well, I wonder where all this money is going. Yeah, like just yeah. that experience alone, you, you're like, yeah, this is why I'm doing it. I mean, certainly, I mean, again, even at my age right now, I'd right. probably shut the fuck up about the money and just have a good time. Yes. You know? Yeah. If, if you can like go on a comedy tour right now and someone's like, we'll give you $100 a week, but these are the names that you're going to get to perform with. You'd be like, I'll figure out a way to make that work. Ken Krantz, Chip Chantry, <laughs> like just the names. I know. I know. How much do I have to pay to 
to open for you guys. That's where I am right now. Yeah. Wait, I have a, a little question. So you said how like they started touring right away and stuff. Cause the one thing that, and again, in my, my random scrolling of Wikipedia was that they became a big hit in Japan. Yes. And that like, so were they, did they do like a, a tour in America or were they touring in Asia before? Like, how did that, which, which they did, the American tour came first. They released, uh, they, they quickly recorded a, an album. Um, I think they recorded it in like five or six days. And yeah, it was, it was super quick. And like mostly yeah. like first takes, they just, they just did it. You know, they just kind of went for it. Yeah. Right. And they're songs that still sound great. Like they, they still, that's the thing that people like, it, they were a novelty, you know, they, there was a bit of a gimmick, but they had the chops. Like by the time, by the time they got to recording, they, they could play like they, they sounded as good as any of the dudes. Um, so they, uh, they went on the tour of Japan after the second album came out. Oh, okay. Um, and then, they went to Japan and it was like, uh, they described it as like Beatlemania. Like they, they, they were playing in the States and people seemed pretty angry at them in the States. They, they never really took off in America. There was a lot of, um, like Joan Jett describes people were mad. Like you're girls, you can't be doing that. Like girls don't play guitar. Girls shouldn't be doing this. Like, instead of being like, if you think if they came out now, how celebrated. Oh, yeah. They would be. Yeah. Yeah. Back yeah. then, it it infuriated people. And 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 they said all of that, all of those heckle, uh, all that heckler training paid off because they ended up having shit thrown at them night after night. And I think and, that's that's amazing that it paid off for them in the United States more than anywhere right, else. You right. Know? Yeah. Good. Good thing yeah. we were able to dodge dog shit. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. They were appreciated more like in Europe. But I think Europe's always appreciated teenage girls more than most places. Um, and then <laughs> Japan, they, they were they, they were huge. They said they got off yeah. the plane to Japan and all of a sudden there's thousands of flashbulbs going off and they, they got off the plane like superstars and they were they were playing to bigger crowds than they'd ever played. They were um, selling more records than they ever sold in Japan. They were like they were huge stars. And then it's weird. You, and then you come back to America and like you can walk down the street and nobody recognizes you. Right. And then that's when that's what I mean, especially in Tokyo, like that's when a lot of the problems really started to come to a head as well, especially with uh, with uh, Jackie Fox uh, really starting to lose it. And and again, you just see the one thing in this documentary that that all of the women were talking about is how they weren't really that close with each other because they all kind of came from different areas and they were sort of kept at each other by Kim Fowley. They were kind of kept at each other's throats. So sometimes they would have little alliances, but they just were never that cohesive. Like it's amazing how cohesive they were musically because just individually, they just didn't seem to gel. And that's when uh, Jackie Fox, who kind of seemed like the one that was sort of on the outs anyway, uh, she really, uh, really hit hard and was, it, I, 
just definitely suffered and uh, tried to kill herself. And luckily, um, I think it was Sheree Curie, like, ran in to save her, even after the road manager, the one asshole road manager they were talking about, was like, she's fine, don't worry about her. And she basically, like, like pushed past him and saved her, saved this girl's life. Yeah. But then she ended up, she ended up quitting the band leaving. And then that's when, um, so yeah, cause even, uh, Joan Jett had to, for the rest of that Tokyo, that those shows in Tokyo had to just Joan jump back Jett, and play bass. Joan Jett switches the bass and then, um, so Lita Ford takes, I mean, Lita Ford was lead, but then they just didn't use a rhythm guitar. And, um, Jackie Fox, like that must, that experience must have really fucked her up because she never really comes back to music. No, but I will say she's one of the most, if you looked her up, like she is one of the most successful of the, the former members, like she, cause she doesn't come back to music, but she ended up becoming like a record promotion executive. She was, this is a little shady. She was a promoter of the Tony Robbins firewalking uh, seminars. You know, that the Tony Robbins, like she was involved with that, but then she became an entertainment attorney and she was a classmate at Harvard with Obama. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like she did all this stuff. Yeah. And apparently in 2018, she was on Jeopardy and, uh, uh, won four games, uh, uh, on Jeopardy. Yeah. Coming back hard. Yeah. She was soup. They said that she was like, she was a straight A student. She was, she was skipping grades that she could have been like this great, um, this great like academic. Uh, and she ends up, she ends up in the runaways. And I think she was the only one that like didn't fall into the drugs and alcohol. Yeah. Like they all, the, 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 the runaways managers were, were keeping them on drugs. Yeah. Like that was part of it too. Like they would just supply them with their drugs and just kind of kept them, kept them just occupied. So they didn't rise up basically. They all still sounded. So when, when you watch that documentary, they all still sound like bitter. Like none of them were looking, none of them sounded like they were looking back on it with a lot of fondness. No, not at all. Yeah, the, the, the documentary name? was in two. Yeah, what's the name of the documentary? Edge Play. Okay. Yeah, Edge. It's play a, a a film about the Runaways. It was it it's, was made in two thousand four. It's free and, on YouTube. Uh, yeah, check it out on YouTube. You can watch it. Oh, and cool. it's it's actually made by um, Vicky Blue, who was uh, she replaced who, who was Jackie Fox's replacement bassist. So she was in the band for a short time. She became a uh, a producer and uh, actress and producer, and she she produced this movie. And actually, I don't know if you saw this. This is pretty amazing. So I was surprised that Kim Fowley would even be in this movie because they're just shitting on him the whole time, rightfully so. Right. But he, so she asked him to be in the movie, in, in the documentary, and he wanted $10,000 to appear in it. And she's like, no. So then he decided, he said he would do it for free, but he was going to sing all of his answers. And then he started singing the answers and was like, well, and I don't know if they actually record. I think they actually did record this. And then he's like, well, all of these are licensed songs. So you can't use any of these unless you get the license for these songs. Like just, just an asshole. So what she did, I mean, he's the worst. So what she did smartly enough, she found out that he was going to be interviewed by VH1. So she sent her 
interview questions to VH1, VH1 agreed to ask those questions. You know, so he didn't realize that they were her questions. He just thought it was VH1's questions. And then VH1 allowed her to use that footage to get into the movie. So he he still got in the movie uh, basically without his knowledge or permission because he, you know, he, he didn't realize that surreptitiously she went through the, the producers of VH1 to ask the questions. Wow. That's amazing. I, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's because when you uh, watch the movie, it looks disjointed. It looks like it, uh, you get the sense that it, he, he was, that that was something else entirely. And I was yeah, wondering well, it's, it's how that, he agreed to be in it. Right. And it's, it's the whole look of that movie. Like she has, it's very, cause she, I think, I think she were also like shot some music videos and stuff like that. It's very nineties, early two thousands, yeah. like black and white, sometimes not. And then like the quick pans and quick cuts and just all this like very MTV real world kind of situation. And then it was just this very still footage of Kim Fowley in a studio. And I didn't realize until afterwards, it's because it's VH1 footage that was given to her. Yeah. Okay. So, well, it's interesting. I was wondering about that. Yeah. I can't wait to check that out. Yeah. So then, so Jackie Fox quits, and then Sheree uh, Curie isn't far behind. They, um, they're in Japan, and the Runaways are scheduled to do this photo shoot for a Japanese magazine, and Sheree says that she can't do it, and the rest of them go, and they pose like in their bathing suits or something and then unbeknownst to the band um and they weren't clear on this so i don't know if it was sheree arranged it or if kim arranged it for her they arrange a separate photo shoot just for sheree and they put her in like real jailbait type clothing like lingerie and when the article comes out in the magazine one page is the picture of the runaways minus Sheree. And then when you turn it, there's like five or six pages of pictures of Sheree. So it made it look like this was Sheree Curie and the runaways. So they, and this, and we should, we should, we have to mention this too, is like her, and this was apparently her doing to a certain extent. They all had their own influences and their, their own look to a certain extent. But early on in the band, she found this corset, and she was like, I want to wear this corset. This is going to be my thing. And then basically the lead singer, I mean, she would wear this corset and her underwear and like stockings, like basically lingerie. And if you think about it, she's 16. Yes. Like singing in her underwear. And like, that's what these guys mostly were coming to see. It's just how creepy it was. Yeah. You know, just how it, they were. It worked, right? I mean, it, it did. That's it did. What we're supposed to do. That's how we, get I, I mean, that's, that's how I got my first bookings. I got to say, yeah, I'll admit. Yeah. yeah. It worked. Although when you watch the interviews with Kim Fowley, he downplays the whole, uh, the whole uh, sexual image in them. Like he, he was saying that her corset, like she was, she was supposed to be athletic. Like they were trying to show that the runaways were like a sport, like your favorite sport team. <laughs> and it was nice, nice yeah, angle. Man. Yeah, yeah, it, right. it, it felt like a little bit. I mean, especially on the back of the first album cover, he puts he lists the ages of everyone in the band. Just oh, so how creepy. Yeah, that's just so creepy. 
that's like putting the calories on the items at McDonald's. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just- <laughs> oh boy. I mean, you wouldn't want to, yeah, some guys like jerking on. Then you read, you see the ages and you're just like, oh, I don't know. Sorry. That was probably too far. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, so Sharie Curie quits. Yeah. And, uh, Joan Jett takes over as as the front man, and then they bring in that that Vicky Blue to to play bass. And um, who's this like new innocent girl who like doesn't do any drugs, doesn't do anything, and like they're already just at the height of at each other's throats and in the throes of drug addiction, and she's just this sixteen year old girl that's just like, here you go. Yeah, right. It's it's her. It, you know, it's like her dream. Like, oh my god, I'm going to be in this famous band. First off, they weren't even they weren't rich or famous. They they yeah. were they were famous overseas, but when they came home, nobody knew who they were. And um, that's the other thing. Yeah, like she gets dropped into this band dealing with alcoholism and drug addiction. And and it's like these girls are 16 and 17. Yeah. Like that, that had to just feel bad, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, if you were kind of a square, I mean, yeah, that, that seems like kind of, it's like you sign up for one thing and get a totally other thing, you know? Oof. Right. Yeah. And then whatever musical dreams she had, like they were already past the point, I think, of really caring about the music. They were they were, you know, it was just all infighting and drama at that point and trying to upstage each other. So she yeah. got it. She got in sort of like I, the, the whole ship was already sinking. And uh, right. And she didn't last that long because she ended up having these like seizures that she didn't even realize she was having. Like she was in the van and would have these seizures because she she fell off a horse when she was a kid and hit her head. And like that apparently caused some seizure disorder. So like she was basically just she just had to get out of that. I mean, she stayed for I mean, a pretty short time. But again, that's the time when after Cherie left, that's when Joan Jett, who just shows you how versatile she is. You know, she's she's a guitar player. She back goes and plays bass when she's needed to. And then she was singing some of the songs, but then also just takes over as the front man. Like just, you know, she's now the face of it. Right. Uh, But that was that was right around the time, too, where uh, Kim Fowley, he wanted out because, again, creepy enough, when the blonde bombshell of the girl with the corset leaves the band, he's like, they don't have appeal anymore. I don't get this. Joan Jett's kind of too rough and tumble. I went out and then basically takes his money and leaves and like, you know, gets the hell out of Dodge and leaves them, leaves them alone. Right. So he's gone. But then that's when these factions kind of started happening. They got this guy, John Alcock, I think this, this one producer who he wanted to go in like this hard rock direction. He's like, he wanted to take him in this hard rock direction and Lita Ford and Sandy West, the drummer, they were all about the hard rock thing. And that's who he really gravitated towards. I was like, this is going to be our direction. But Joan Jett and Vicky wanted, they kind of liked the punk and the glam thing. And they were like, we want it. They're trying to do that version. And they're like, we don't want that. So that's when the two factions really started to split. And, uh, and that, that, kind of signaled the uh the end of end of days right yeah it was um 
once Shuri Curie left, they they thought that there was nobody in that nobody seemed to recognize what a star they had with Joan Jett. Like nobody seemed yeah. to realize this is your like once in a generation talent, and everyone just focused on the blonde bombshell who doesn't even stick around music. Yeah, you know she she. She leaves the Runaways, signs a, a cheap deal, and records an album with her twin sister. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, under the name Cherie and Marie Curie. Yeah, the, the twin sister band. And again, they were big, I think, in Japan. They went back there, and they even did like TV shows in Japan. I think they had like some sort of variety show. I don't know if it's variety, but it was something like that. You know, that where they did did some things, and then she ended up going into acting. Did she was in Twilight Zone the movie and a couple other like. You know, she was in some movies. Jodie Foster, I remember. Yeah. And then she actually ended up marrying Robert Hayes from Airplane. Airplane. In the 90s. For like seven years, she was married to him. Yeah. So she was married to him. They had a a son, Jake, I think. And then now she lives, I think, in Northern, somewhere in California. Uh, But she is, do you want to take a guess, Mayor? I want you to take a guess. What career, and I'll, I'll even give you a guess, it is in the arts. What career do you think the former lead singer of the runaway, Sheree Curie, uh, that dressed in the corset and the underwear and stuff like that, what career do you think she has currently? In the arts. Uh, I don't know. Opera singer. It's a great guess. It's a great guess. And you're very close. She is a woodworking artist where she carves wood with chainsaws. She is a chainsaw like wood sculptor yeah that is so similar to to opera right to the opera. i was close you Thanks. were so Chip. close so close you want was... you wonder how much the experience fucked them all like i can't imagine going f- from being in a band like can you imagine how, mary how long have you been doing stand-up like 12 years yeah so we're we're right around that like could you imagine going back to no i mean no, no. I, Although it, I, I will say the, 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 the people who get out, we always looked at it. They seem like the happiest people in the world once they get out. Yeah. I mean, I wonder, I don't know. Are they it, though? And it, you think like, I just think too, I mean that and not to get all like psychological, but the ages that these girls were when, when a lot of this happened, I mean, that's literally when you kind of become who you're going to become, you know? And if you're getting, you know, I hate to say it, but like diddled by some manager and like drugs and, and you're on the road and like, like, how do you go back to normal? I just, it's almost like a superpower. I mean, yeah. God bless them. Jesus. Yeah. Like you go it's, from, it's not even like doing open mics when you're 27. I mean, right. Like yeah. Yeah. L- yeah. L- little different, but it's yeah. like you go yeah. from, you go from hanging out backstage with Robert Plant to after the runaways broke up, Shuri Curie got a job at like, uh, she was like a cashier at a hardware store. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, that, they, they that didn't even sh- have that money. Right. That also bubble. shows you how fucked they got financially. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, that's almost like, you know, you look at like child stars and stuff or like different things and you think, well, at least they, they've got a, ba- a bank account, you know, at least they've got something to kind of hang their hat on and not, you know, but it's like to come out of that 
worse than you were before. It's awful. Yeah. They they all still seemed Joan so Joan Jett wasn't interviewed for the documentary, but the rest of them that were, they they all still seemed and and the the documentary was you said 2004 so that's like 25 years after the events they all still seem pretty angry like when they interviewed yeah. the parents the parents were like i wish we'd never allowed them to go i i wish that we we that this guy hadn't fooled us into uh thinking it was going to be okay they still seemed angry like shuri curie says uh that at this point, Kim Fowley was still alive. She was like, oh, I hope somebody murders him. Like, if, if anybody deserves to be murdered, it's him. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, and he was now, I guess, the time to, to say that among other allegations, there was after he died in 2015. Um, uh, who was it? It was uh, Jackie Fox uh, accused him of of rape. At he apparently raped her at a at a New Year's Eve party in 1975, right? And that was what was their first was their first gig. It was it was their first. It was it. Man. It was their first gig, at, and he gave her quaaludes. Told her to take like gave her like four quaaludes, and then uh, allegedly and raped her in a room full of people. That just, yeah, like that in just front watched. of people. Yeah, in, in front of, and, and I think that's also part of it too, where apparently some of the other members allegedly saw it and didn't stop it. And, but I mean, but you're a 15 year old girl. Like what, I mean, it's, that's crazy. Yeah. You know, that situation that you're put in. In the seventies also, I mean, not that you excuse it, but it's like there, you don't have the, um, there wasn't the awareness or the education that there is today. Right. Right. Oh exactly. yeah. It's another world, you know, another, another time. That's those poor parents too. That's got a sting. You know, you're like, Oh, I hope, you know, my, my girl, she's got some talent. I'm going to send her off to fulfill her dreams. And then to kind of the realization of what actually happened. That's tough. Yeah. Uh, yeah it, it, but some, some of the girls did uh, have a lot of success after the, uh, after the band did break up. Of course you have Joan Jett who went on to form Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. I love rock and roll was the number one hit for seven weeks in 82. Like just imagine being John Alcock and like the, the naysayers of Joan Jett and just for seven weeks in 1982, well, just, the, it's the biggest song ever. It was the biggest song of that year. And the best part about that is she recorded that and shopped it around to 27 labels and 27 labels were all like a girl that plays guitar. No, thanks. They all passed on her. So, Literally out of options, she decides to create her own record label because it's the only way to get the album out. So she creates her own label and it ends up being the single biggest song of the year and selling millions of copies. And literally ever like every record company in the business had turned her down. That's like, there's no bigger middle finger than that. Like that, that the redemption in that is beautiful. Isn't that, do you think that she called, like, do you think I would have called every one of those labels back? Okay, I have a, like a suck my dick list in case yeah. I ever, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in yes. case I yeah. ever get famous. I'm like, I know yeah. the first 50 calls. I'm just going to be like, it's Kenny. I hit it, suck my dick and hang up. <laughs> Uh, can I, do you mind if I steal your your phrasing? Because I I think I have a suck my dick list too. I, I think, just didn't know exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
And, and oddly enough, I'm on both of those lists. <laughs> Chip's got an I'll suck your dick list. <laughs> it's a very different list. Um, but it's, you know, whatever. Uh, it has nothing to do with bitterness. Right. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> uh, but so so Joan Jett becomes, you know, and she's known as the queen of rock and roll. She's had a career ever since, done very well, obviously. Also, she was born in, uh, she's a Philly girl. She was born in the suburbs of Philadelphia. So uh, Joan Jett, Lita Ford, of course, went on to her glam metal career, uh, which was huge in the 80s. She had the song Kiss Me Deadly, which I'm sure you all remember. She had that duet with Ozzy Osbourne in 89 called Close My Eyes Forever. Right. Which I just remember as the soundtrack to a water park that I was at when I was 12 years old in Houston when we had to go visit my dad's cousin. And just that song just played. We were at a water park one day and it must have played 50 times. I think like the kids who were running the one big water slide just had that album, just kept putting it on over and over again. Uh, so, yeah, so she did that. Uh, she was she was. um Married to a couple of people. She was married to Wasp guitarist Chris Holmes for a while. Then she married Jim Gillette from the group Nitro in 94 after they only knew each other for two weeks. They had two sons. Then eventually they moved to Turks and Caicos down in the islands because he had this real estate development company that he was doing. And then in the 2000s, they were up for, I think it was on TLC. They were going to be, they're going to have a reality show sort of about the family. And for whatever reason, I, I don't know what happened, but basically like the husband apparently turned the two sons against her and she does. I don't know if she currently does, but at least for years, didn't have a relationship with the two sons. They got divorced and she's actually involved in these, this organization dealing with like parent alienation. And, you know, so she's kind of had a rough go, but she's obviously had a big career. She has a, a, um, a guitar company now and, I mean, she's been very successful. And uh, who else? Sandy West. Then you have have Sandy West, who uh, unfortunately wasn't had her. um, She did a variety of jobs. She was a bartender. She was a veterinary assistant. She was a construction worker for years. Most of the time she actually was a construction worker, but she even was doing stuff for like drug dealers and was like collecting money. She said she had to break a guy's arm once yes. or somebody's arm yeah. once she put a bullet in somebody's uh, or, and she put a gun in somebody's mouth. Like she would basically, she was this enforcer and she spent a bunch of time in jail. Like she was in and out of jail doing, you know, all of that. And like, you could tell she was really bitter about like what had happened in that documentary in 2004. And then in 05, she was, diagnosed with uh, lung cancer, which spread to her brain and then died of cancer in, in 06. So she passed away. So not as uh, unfortunately, not as uh, the happiest uh, story of, of the others, but then you have somebody like Jackie Fox, like I said, became an attorney, went to Harvard, was on jeopardy and won $90,000 almost uh, for doing that. Um, and then Vicki blue, who she made the movie edge play. She was, she was in Spinal Tap. She was in The Return of Bruno, the Bruce Willis movie. And uh, she did some other acting, but then got into production and she she did that. So, um, you know, so they went their own separate ways. And some of them had uh, pretty nice careers after the runaways. My, I think we just, uh, I think we did it. Mary, you, you, got, you got through it. How was it? I did. I, I got to say, I, I enjoyed myself and... I don't know if I thought I was gonna, and I did. And it has a lot to do with, with you three. 
and I'm count, I'm call, calling out Kahuna too. Aww, Chip and Ken. Yeah. Um, no, it was good. I learned a lot. I uh, I am not even kidding. I mean, I'm a I'm a shit talker. I'm a people pleaser. But I really am going to go watch that movie. Like I'm intrigued. I want to watch it. Me too. I'm oh, and I should say, I think it was in 2010. There was which I haven't seen, and I didn't want to watch it because I didn't want to be tainted. But there was a movie. Was it called The Runaways? Like, the Runaways. Hey, like a feature film? Yeah, they did a biopic yeah. on them. That's great, actually. Is that the one is it, with is, Kristen is it good? Stewart? Yeah, she plays Joan Jett, and um, I think uh, Dakota Fanning. Dakota Fanning it. plays Cherie Curie. You said yeah. that's good, Ken. Yeah, it's really good. It's on Netflix. All right, I'm, I'll check that out too. Um, yeah. And Jackie Fox wouldn't even let her name be like she's so bitter. She wouldn't even allow her name to be used in the movie. She was like, "I want all likeness and made removed." They just made wow. up a fictional bass player for the movie. Wow. Who is that? Jackie Fox? Yeah. Yeah. I think she's just still mad about the road manager. Yes. Her out. <laughs> I think so. She's probably she's mad about. Uh, or, or mad at Kim Fowley for yeah. not leaving her out. Wow. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He yeah. doubled down. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. Good <laughs> <laughs> boy. <laughs> I would like to go out with a bang. Yeah. yeah. We like to go out with um, a forced bang joke. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think we, I I think we accomplished a lot. I hope we, is there anything we left out? Ken, did we, any stones left unturned? I, I don't think so. I'm looking at my notes and I feel like we're, uh, we talked about the sugar shack. We certainly did. We talked about the dog shit. We -hmm. hit that. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think I think we uh, I, I was I was excited and like just for me and of course looking back you, like you see pictures of me you're like oh this manufactured girl group and it was like no they rocked hard and they did their own stuff and not even without the help but despite the interference right. of yeah these you, creepy you wonder dudes. you wonder if somebody good had been looking out for them you wonder how much further they could have gone. Yeah. Like Absolutely. what they could have, the level they could have achieved. Yeah. Right. Cause if, when you think about it there, they start in 1975 and by 1980, the whole thing's over by really yeah. late 78, early 79. 79 the whole thing's yeah. Really? Over. It was like a four year window that they went mm-hmm. from nothing to the top and then back to nothing. Toured the world, put out I think four albums, four albums. at least studio albums, not yeah. not to mention live stuff. Yeah, I mean to think that the one made more money on Jeopardy than she did touring. <laughs> yes. Oh my god! You know, with the Runaways, that's a, that's interesting nugget. Yeah, yeah, and that well, is for sure true. It's wild. Yeah, it's I'm looking wild. at pictures right now of her and uh, her and Alex. Yeah, that's uh, the late great Alex Trebek. Yeah, she won, I think, like $87,000 or something like that. Good for her. Well, I, I think we... Uh, I think we I think got we, it. Hopefully we did the Runaways some justice. Some great music. You know, we didn't even talk specifically about, like, the music music because there's so many other crazy stories about it, but just, like, some some great uh, some great tunes that they, that they put out. I really appreciate you guys having me on, even with my lack of knowledge. I feel like it was it was very. I think it's a nice format. I think you know, I kind of like yeah. I, yeah. I I kind of and it also will eliminate us having to match people to the yeah. to the uh, to the episode. Mary, you yeah. were great. Thank yeah. you so much. 
Well, thank you so much, Ken. It was nice to see you and I appreciate it. Yes. It Do you have anything you want to promote? You know, I, I would just promote I'm like every other person in the world. I started a podcast this year. So I had a reason to get up in the morning. It's called Are You My Podcast? I co-host it with uh, Sarah Colonna from the Chelsea Lately days. And uh, it's it's a fun kind of shit-talking podcast about we cover, um, right now we're covering Married at First Sight. We cover some dumb Lifetime movies. You don't have to watch the things we cover to enjoy it. So hopefully check it out. And, uh, you know, that's got to be your target, right? Your target audience. This, I feel like it's a smooth transition. So 100%. Yeah, <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. But, yeah. But thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Mayor. Let me. You were, you were a delightful along. guest and you brought so much, e- even without the knowledge, it was almost kind of, it was, refer- it's nice to have somebody, you know what it is? It's she, she's on it, which is, which is nice. She's not, she's not in the woods. You know, she can see the forest for the trees. And that's what she did. You saw a lot of trees today, Mayor. I did. I, I could see the dog shit through the bananas and all of this. So many things. Well, that just put a nice you. big bow on everything. There it is. There it is. Let's let's leave on that. Yeah. All right. We will. Uh, we'll see you next week. Take care, everybody. All right.